Welcome to the Degenerates Clubhouse, a place for less than distinguished gentlemen to discuss nonsense and fuck all tomfoolery. With your hosts Aaron and Armando. Honestly, who's going to listen to this? What a couple of stupid fucking cunts. Welcome to the Degenerates Clubhouse. <laughs> God damn it. I'm trying to set the timer because uh-huh. that has been extremely helpful for keeping track of time. That's kind of the point of timers. But you started it right before I got it to work and now... I'm fucking around with it. So, Mondo. Yes. While I'm fucking around with the timer, uh-huh. you, you said you had some sort of personal story that you wanted to share. Yeah. <laughs> I, I sit riveted imagining what this gem of a story could possibly be. Please, don't keep me waiting any longer. So, back real quick background. I deleted my dating apps like two weeks ago or a week ago or something. I was kind of like frustrated and rather than over sexually or just in general, all bo- all of that. Okay, but rather than like get like all um, what's that? In- rather than get like all incel and angsty and like, I was like, you know what? It's not worth the anxiety and the stress about like trying to date or whatever. So I just deleted the apps. The app. Like fuck this, I'm done. Whatever. Was, was it apps plural or apps singular? No, currently it was just one app. Which, but which, I, which app? Do we need context? Uh, Hinge. Hinge is say, an app. I've never used say, it. Let's say Hinder. I, I forget the name. It was a Hinge. It was Hinge. So anyways. Hinder, but, that's actually a, <laughs> uh, a swiping app for Hindu people. No, Hinder is, is an app that we use when you don't want to go on dates. Uh, anyway. Um, no, the, the dating app for uh, Hindu people is is uh, our, our fellow brother, Sunny, has a business. Surf Coffee? Yeah, Surf Coffee. I that's, thought it was a coffee company. I'm not going to lie. I was like, Sunny's making coffee? Awesome. I want some. Yeah, same. Um so anyway, I deleted the dating app. I was getting kind of like annoyed with it, you know, because it's it sends you it sends you notifications like, hey, you know, blah blah blah. But they're all just it's 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 all um, it's all uh, data driven, just kind of you know whatever. Fuck the dating apps; they don't work. Deleted them, kind of just said whatever. And uh, usually our our normal like brewery days are every other Thursday, but this last Wednesday happened to be Colorado. Um, pint day or some shit where all the craft breweries in Colorado you get like you go buy a beer and they give you like a pint glass that's like a commemorative pint glass for like a couple bucks they only do it one time a year and then when they sell it they sell out so this was Wednesday an irregular brewery day for Armando and company we go to the brewery I have two three beers and I'm kind of like done like I'm like all right I'm getting ready to go home the rest of my coworkers split I order one last beer for myself and I'm sitting at the table by myself with Violet. And I'm like literally like halfway done with my beer. Like it's Armando's ready to, to leave. Um, a gal sits at my table. She's like, Hey, can, you mind if I sit here? And I go, Oh yeah, no problem. I, you, I was like, you'll have the table to yourself in a little bit. I'm just going to finish this beer and I'm, I'm, I'm gone. Oh Jesus. Um, <laughs> Mondo, Mondo, you forgot to turn Hinder off. You had yeah. it on. <laughs> no, my 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 thing was, I didn't know if she was sitting there because she was trying to save a table for her and her friends or something like that. And so I I kind of just, yeah, yeah, I'll be I'll be out of here in a little bit, you know. And uh, turns out, she was in there with a group of people. Mm-hmm. She also thought I was there with a group of people, and, and so she was just kind of it was it was really weird at first, kind of. We start talking, and uh, you know she starts playing with Violet. Violet's being a, a good girl. Um, next thing you know, she, you know, I posted this on my Facebook. Uh, by the way, so anyway, she asked me to walk her to a car. I walk her to a car, and then we we just start making out. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. And 
So wow, that escalated quickly. Yeah, it did. It went from like literally just she, you. You weren't you, in this telling the story. You're like she was playing with my dog, and then we just started making out. No, it was about an hour of conversation. Her like her and I at at the table at the yeah, what, what did you talk about? Random shit about. Um, she, she was trying to ask if I was. I think she was fishing for information from me. She was trying to figure out if I was single or if I had like a girlfriend or wife, and that's why mm-hmm. I was sitting at the table by myself. So I explained to her, you know, we back and forth, like, no, my, I come here every week my, uh, with my coworkers, and they had left, and I was getting ready to leave. So I think she, after she fished for the information she was looking for, i.e., mm-hmm. this guy's single, that's when I started kind of getting more about, like, are you dating? Hey, I, she was like, even she was even like, hey, I got some girls that I was thinking about setting you up with. Like, it was <laughs> stupid. Like, yeah. So, so, so who who initiated this? Did you turn Hinder off on your phone and you went for it, or did she? No, no, no. no. Was she just leading the dance the whole way? She, she kind of led the dance the whole way. By the, so I don't even know what you mean by turning Hinder off. You, you said that Hinder is the app that like keeps you from dating. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you had Hinder on when she sat down and you're like, oh, I'm gonna leave soon. It's like, dude, no. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. You just, just have to assume. So, so no, she she you know she. Uh, was definitely, a, if I would say, the like not the aggressor, but she sat down, she initiated conversation, we talked. It wasn't me like flirting with her or trying to, whatever. So like in in the the parking lot, like I'm, the way I'm picturing this, like she kind of like grabs you by the back of your yeah. neck and puts her hand on your low back and just like dips you low. Yeah, and then and then you guys smooch. No, that's pretty much how it, went it, down. it should have. It should it couldn't have been more. Uh, it, it was close enough. No, by the end of our conversation at the brewery, it became a little more kind of cutie flirty. Mm-hmm. Like at first it wasn't, and I didn't think anything of it. It was, but again, through the course of conversation, just getting to know each other. So she's like, hey, can you walk me to my car? I'm thinking she's like parked blocks away and it is laid out by that time. So I was thinking like maybe she just like felt it unsafe, but she just parked like across the street. Mm-hmm. She wanted to get me away from the general masses of the brewery, which was fine. And she's like, hey, I, you know, I want you to kiss me. I'm like, Okay, I don't need you know. Once once I've been given the green light, I'm like, cool. So yeah, we do we do kiss, and I'm I'm still stupid, stupid, super like dumb, naive Armando. Like I'm just thinking like a peck on the cheek. It was more than that. And then she starts, you know, she puts her hand on my back, and, and I'm like, what, what is Violet doing during all this? She's just fucking sniffing around and you know being a fucking dumb dog. I have her on my, you know, one arm. One Vi- Violet is completely uninterested in your romantic no, prospects. No, she doesn't give two fucks. Got it. Um, so that was kind of the end of the night. She, you know, we smooch, she goes her way and I'm like, I literally go and close out my tab and go my way. (laughs) And I thought it was kind of funny. So I posted this fucking thing on my Facebook about how I soar off. I was like, I'm never going to date a white chick. I'm done. I'm going to stick to like ethnic girls or or Hispanic girls, you know? Mm -hmm. And I go into kind of sort of explain in my Facebook post why. And, and generally the logic is, you know, I'm not, I don't come from like the hood, but my, mm-hmm. like, I grew up in a Hispanic neighborhood. I, I got jumped a few blocks from where I live. There was, you know, gangs and all. So that's, that's kind of where I'm from. And generally speaking, most white folks, not all, okay, I'm just stupid. I know it's a generality, but most white folks kind of are, the, the, the their home life is a little more sheltered, a little more. Yeah, you know. So this is what I keep trying to remind you. Yeah, I know. Is that your experience with white people was in the Whittier College college bubble? Uh So it's 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 white people that would go to a very expensive 
private liberal, liberal arts college that also wasn't that good. That's that's a whole other thing. Agreed. Agreed. There's there, but there's no like there's no like like that's not true. I shouldn't say no, but there weren't that many like really poor like white kids who are super achievers and could get a big scholarship, and they're like, that's it, fucking Whittier College. Yeah. Um, no, so, you're right. You're so, right. So that that's you you're seeing a uh, a very small slice. So. So my my bias, my assumptions, my presumptions came out to bite me later in my ass. Let me finish or continue with the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm driving home and I'm posting this thing about why I didn't want to date white chicks or whatever on my Facebook. I get home. She's home. I, I was like, hey, I text me. Text me when you get home. I'm like, make sure you don't fucking. She only had two beers. I had like four or five. But I had some before she had showed up. Mm-hmm. But that anyway, that's beside the point. I was like, hey, just text me when you get home. I get home and I'm texting my sister and this girl simultaneously. <laughs> you can kind of see where this is going. I'm texting my sister and I was like, hey, guess what? I met this chick and she's kind of cool. And, you know, she's like, I go, she's got a dog. I got a dog. She's like, what kind of dog? Anyway, I copied and pasted a part, a snippet of the conversation I was having with this girl. And I meant to copy and paste it into the text that I was texting my sister, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did not do that. I just basically retexted the same shit to the girl I was talking to. <laughs> One of the little comments I made was fucking white chicks. <laughs> and so, so this girl, her name's Jamie, by the way. So, so this girl, she's, she's like, it takes a while for her to respond. She's like, question mark, question mark. She's like, you may have ruined your shot, question mark. And, I, and I, I'm like, what, what is she talking about? I go, oh, fuck. <laughs> so I, I explained to her the whole thing about why I said that. It had nothing to do with her. Um, it had everything to do with me. And again, my, my presumptions, my assumptions of generalities of, of, of white girls and, and um, how in the past, the white gals I've dated, they're just lack of connect because of whatever socioeconomic you name it just mm-hmm. reasons right so anyway i had I had a little bit of explaining to do and and the next day i was like fuck i i totally blew. i even told my sister i blew it i go fuck it whatever i blew it here's just armando's luck he deletes the fucking dating app he finally like meets a girl at a play you know naturally like without someone setting us up or anything and then i go and fucking ruin it Next day goes around. This is now Thursday. She texts me back in the morning, and I, you know, it went back and forth. We ended up hanging out a little bit Thursday. Um, we ended up hanging out a little bit Friday. Anyway, what were you saying, fucking white chicks about? Oh, um, what I was saying it about was just the, again the idea, like fucking white chicks. I'm dating white chicks again, kind of like, like fuck. I didn't want to. Oh, so it wasn't even anything she said. No, there wasn't. There wasn't. She was like. It's like, do you want to get caramel frappe lattes? And no. you're like, fucking white chicks. <laughs> no, no, it no. It was, wow. So it's no. just, just nothing she even did. She, it was just your own bias. She did um, send me a picture of her dog, and her dog was wearing these little goggles thing. And and my comment like mm-hmm. like immediately followed that. So this gal thought that my comment had to do with her dog and just being weird and goofy and wearing goggles. I had to explain this all to her. Like, look, it had nothing to do with your dog. 
my comment, you know, quote unquote fucking white chicks has everything to do with me and like, ah, oh, fuck here. I'm, I, I am again saying I'm not going to fucking, you know, be in romantically interested in white girls, you know, just cause never had luck in the past. And so anyway, I, I had to go and, and just, I wouldn't say kiss ass, but kind of explain myself to her. And I, I, I think it's all good now. But you know how those things are with girls. Sometimes they like hold them and then like they just bring them out one day. I, I mean, <laughs> how could you not hold on to that at least a little bit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I said, I, I I tried. I think she understood. In fact, so she's she's a teacher and she talked to some of her uh, other teacher uh, coworkers and like they laughed about it and kind of like say, hey, hey it's okay, Jimmy. It's just funny. It's just it, it, his comment was dumb. And, and I knew it was. In fact, that night, I, I, I laughed myself to sleep. And the following morning, I woke up just kind of like, I'm a fucking idiot. Just like laughing at myself for being a fucking moron and saying stupid shit like that. That being said, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, we're, I'm dating her, I guess. We're not a girlfriend, boyfriend. We're just kind of going out. We've already, she's already, we've already planned a couple of things. She wants to take me to a concert and, and then I'm whatever. Oh, yeah, I'm taking her to the barbecue fest in May. I think May or June. I don't remember. But yeah, that's personal update for Armando. But it's just funny how how <laughs> how it all just where where we are now and how I got there and and uh so so let's just summarize uh-huh. Armando's foolproof guide to getting your girlfriend. <laughs> Step one, delete all your dating apps. <laughs> yeah. Step two, when a girl approaches you, say, Oh, I'm leaving soon. Yeah. Step three Insult her. <laughs> Insult her, insult her via text. Perfect. You know what? Maybe, maybe you that you inadvertently nagged her. I know that's a strategy that people use. I don't really like it. It seems yeah. weird, but but maybe maybe now she's like, um, she's like, I'm gonna prove him wrong. Yeah. I I think if anything, just just she, be be on the lookout. I want to see if she's tries to start, start acting like Hood. She did. She did explain to me. She had every right to be a little upset. And she did explain to me like how she's not. She says, "quote unquote," she's not a Karen. You know, she grew uh, when she was raised as a kid. Her parents got a divorce early on. Yeah. And, where, where did she grow up though? Uh, Connecticut. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Well, I don't know. That's that's actually true. I don't know that much about Connecticut. Like, if she said, said Aurora, I'd be like, "Oh, okay." So as, business. As um, far as I can tell, she's been a Colorado resident for like I don't know, maybe a decade or coming close to a decade. So she's not, she is a transplant, not a new one like me, but, um, you know, I, I think where you grow up really, really shapes you a lot. And just, just some of the neighborhoods, like, like in like the poor white areas in Philadelphia, like uh-huh. those are fucking pretty rough neighborhoods. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I never really spent that much time in, in Connecticut. I, th- th- I know there's some, some kind of fancy parts of Connecticut, but uh-huh. who knows? I feel like every place you go, there are poor, yeah. rough areas. Yeah. I'm I, again. We're still we're still learning about each other. We're I, I don't think we're taking it very um, super serious. Uh, I do have some hesitations on my part, and I've already told her too. Like on my part, I feel like it is kind of we're kind of rushing a little bit. Like I'd rather I really do. Like it sounds it sounds lame. You know, you don't say these kind of things when you're in high school or even junior high or college. Like I want to get to know her. Mm-hmm. Because I, I'm 42 years old, I don't want to like waste time. Like I, it's cool if it's gonna be casual and just physical. Great. Let's let's kind of 
know that up front mm -hmm. and and hope that no one develops feelings and then we could just make it a physical thing but if it's something more like i kind of want to just take it easy like but yeah you don't want to waste time and if her get in the way of all these other romantic prospects that you have yeah. You know, I mean, the love of your life is probably trying to find you and she's going to get in the way. Yeah, through Hinder. What the fuck? So, yeah, that, that uh, she's you know, cool. Th that's actually a really good business idea, though. If you could start a dating app for people who are just completely like romantically inept, uh -huh. which is I feel like what dating apps are supposed to be anyway. Yeah. But, but if you could even dummy proof it even more. I'm gonna. We're gonna have to workshop this a little bit. I think dating apps nowadays are more just like window shopping for people. It's like no, no, no. Yes, I'd fuck you. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. Kind of thing. And it's it's all. It's still. There, there's still there. There's no dating app there out there at all or whatever where you actually get to know somebody. You know, there's chemistry and all this shit. Like I feel like most of these broads out there, they want. They still want Pr Prince Charming, and that's fine. That, I'm not you know i'm not knocking them but there is something to be said about like meeting somebody having a coffee talk like having a conversation well if you use them well that's what they are they're just a, a intro into that right like yeah I, I, the only dating app i've used uh at, at all was bumble mm -hmm. um but i definitely i went on on double digit dates i don't i didn't really keep track um rubbing it in aaron no i was rubbing one out okay um but the the way I'd usually like, I would just try to get a very sort of basic idea of like, is this person a complete moron? Is there are there like such huge red flags that I I don't want to deal with them at all? I mean, we kind of like are, are playing our our, uh, our deal breaker game, and then uh, as soon as I, I had the sense that I could, I would just see if we could talk on the phone. And then if you know you talk on the phone for an hour or whatever, and they're cool, then you just go on a casual date, and then. Kind of goes from there, but here's where dating apps fail because I'm willing to bet with the profile I had on my dating app. If Jamie had a, a profile on dating, yeah, app, she wouldn't match with you. We would not have no. matched at all. No, like we, we, we had this conversation before because I looked at your profile and I was like, oh no, Mondo. <laughs> like it wasn't it wasn't bad necessarily. Yeah. It was just very bland. It was me. It was me. I'm a bland. I'm not like you know. I'm. I, yeah, but I think on, on those apps in particular, you, you you certainly don't want to misrepresent yourself. No, and I think there, a lot of people there, do. But there's also ways to kind of accentuate your positive qualities. Right. Like, I mean, and that again, like that that was a a form where it's like I'm I'm a pretty good writer, and I've got like photography skills and things like that. You know, I wasn't I wasn't posting like heavily edited photos of myself, but uh -huh. I could definitely post photos that like with you in a Superman costume or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I think I was good at sort of curating what I was, I was, I was showing and, and making, making that initial, uh, browse through the profile. Like, Oh, this is kind of interesting. And then it would, it was leading me into, uh, into those conversations. So I, I, I think, I think we even had that conversation. Where I was like, Mondo, Dating apps just might not be your, your medium. No, they're not. I don't think might not might not be in your bag. No, I don't think. I don't. You know how there was like the farmers only craze, and that's like intended to be for a specific kind of person mm -hmm. that maybe computers and all that shit isn't for them, but it it provided an opportunity for them to meet like minded people. Mm -hmm. There's I don't think there is one for like a guy like me because I'm 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 low key. 
I, I like to do like homebody stuff, but I do like to go fishing, camping, all that kind of shit. I'm not super wealthy. I'm not the most attractive dude. I'm okay. You know, I'm, it's just, there's, um, there's more of me out there than there are the people like the dating app people, the people that have success on dating apps are going to have success on all dating apps. They're all the same. They're all like, anyway, whatever. Uh, but yeah, a hundred percent. If, 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 if Jamie had a profile, I would have just kind of like made my assumptions swiped the bad swipe and just kind of went on and, and vice versa. I don't think we would have. Well, that, that was the other thing too. I remember when we were talking about it, you, you were, you were like self-selecting uh-huh. so much. You you would look at a profile and be like, well, I don't think she's going to want to date yep. me. So I will, I will reject her in advance before she can reject me. And I was, I was just, it wasn't even a rejecting her. It was like, Oh, this, this wasn't going to work out. So it wasn't a rejection on her part. I just kind of made my assumption that it wasn't going to – it wasn't like, oh, you're horrible or you're bad or, yeah. or – it was just well, like I could – I feel like it's not going to click. Well, but and that was something that I was very aware of. A lot of people are not good at making dating profiles. Uh-huh. So just because the profile didn't necessarily look that appealing – like it might just be that they're not good at writing short, yeah. like pithy little things. Maybe they're not – you know, it's really, really, really hard to – kind of capture yourself in those little things, which yeah. is what you were having trouble with. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, a lot of people have trouble with that. So that was something that I never got too hung up on. You know what? You know, maybe, maybe I just need to start bringing Finn to breweries. Um, <laughs> Cause you know, my, my, my life plan is to uh, finish building this house. Mm-hmm. I have a, I have a job, not a full, you know, not, not a, a, a super um, like well-paying one, but I kind of realized like if I Airbnb my house out, like the, the basement that I'm working on uh-huh. and I just keep working for LFA at the rate I am, I'll, I'll be pulling in like, like 50 K a year and yeah. only working about 20 hours a week. I'm like, dude, that's pretty sick. Yeah. I'm down for that. Yeah. <laughs> so like, and then I just gotta, you know, get my neck fixed and then bam, I'm ready. Just these like three, <laughs> these, these three little small, th- I just kept to finish building this giant house and, and then, uh, then you know, me and Finn are gonna hit up the breweries and, and start telling women that our tables are taken. It's this is this is uh, I don't know. There's I got more tangents to go off of this, but we I don't know. We're, we're let's move on. And <laughs> then when we start texting, I'm gonna be like fucking white chicks, and they're like, yeah. what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, oh, nothing. Yeah, <laughs> I just it's this bias against white girls. Um. So yeah, that was a personal update on my my self. Uh, Mondo, let's let's move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To a, a historical degenerate. This is this is very recent history. Mm-hmm. Uh, he this 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 uh, man was perhaps not a romantic. I, I you know I don't think he would have made <laughs> very much use of of uh, certainly not Bumble. No. Ma- maybe a little bit more of, of Tinder. But you know what? He was married five times, so maybe there was a little little bit of <laughs> romanticism in him. Uh, th- this this was like the predecessor to Larry Flint, a. a very uh, lesser known but prolific pornographer named Al Goldstein. Degenerates history. LA Times article. Al Goldstein dies at 77. Adult magazine publisher had fleeting success. If you Hafner strove to put on a suave airbrushed image on sexual freedom in the 1960s, rival publisher Al Goldstein was a polar opposite. Unabashedly abrasive and foul-mouthed, this cigar-chomping, obese Goldstein called his explicit magazine Screw, 
and seemingly re reveled in giving the middle finger sign not only to his enemies but also the world at large via an 11-foot sculpture of the gesture outside of his Florida home. So he did have a, a home in Florida. To be clear, this this was not a Florida man. This was like— It's kind of a hybrid story. It's a Florida man slash degenerate's history. A little bit, but this is what I'm trying to say. This guy was like New York through and through. Like if you imagine the most stereotypical like New York Jewish voice— that's what this dude sounded like. You, you know that, like the Woody Allen sort of. Uh -huh. That's that. That was, I mean, it, almost comically so. Let's continue on. Uh, to be angry is to be alive, Goldstein, who aggressively championed free speech rights, said in a New Times uh, Broward Palm Beach interview in 2001. There's so much to be angry about because people are ripped off. The election went to the wrong person. The good guys usually lose, and society sucks. I mean, he, you know, he was a, he was a cheery, upbeat individual, <laughs> giant, eleven foot high, middle finger statue, and his magazine was called Screw. Yeah, should have been called Screw You. That would have been better. But Goldstein, seventy-seven, died Thursday in a Brooklyn nursing home. Said his attorney, Charles De Stefano. And this this article is ten years old at this point. Oh, okay. Uh, so he would have been 87. Anyway, Goldstein's health had been declining for several years due to a stroke, diabetes, and dementia, DeStefano said. At the peak of his wealth, largely due to the three-decade success of Screw, which he co-founded in 1968, Goldstein had a personal fortune of millions of dollars, a chauffeur-driven Rolls Royce, and tons of electronic gadgets and other toys for his six homes, including a mansion in Florida and an 8,000-square-foot townhouse in Manhattan. Okay, so th this is why I thought of him. I actually met Al Goldstein. Mm -hmm. He was friends with my grandfather. Mm -hmm. And I, once, just once, have been to that 8,000-square-foot oh, townhouse yeah? in Manhattan. Wow. For, first, I, I believe it was four stories high. And the first floor, I mean, really big, right? Like probably 2,000 square feet. Okay. Was just filled literally from floor to ceiling with things that he had ordered from mail order catalogs. Like what? Like uh... everything. Like he would, he loved Sharper Image, like all this like random shit. And he would always buy at least two of them, sometimes three. Why? I don't know. He was like really compulsive like that. And he loved this dude. Had a, like a sick obsession. You know how people get addicted to stuff. Uh -huh. I I think probably more than sex. This guy was addicted to ordering things from mail order catalogs. Yeah, you know they're just just and they were unopened, just boxes of these things stacked up. Like it looked like it was like a weird warehouse. And the the one thing though, that I remember because I was I was pretty young when, when we went there was they had he had uh, three unopened packages of the Atari Lynx. Do you remember Ooh, those? It was their handheld version of the yeah yeah like Game was, Boy exactly. It was it was like Atari's was trying to beat out Game Boy, mm -hmm. and it was it was color, which was like holy yeah. shit, it's a handheld color. You know, this, so this was when we were still pretty young, and like I was like, holy, this is the greatest thing You're ever. Like, can I have one, rich guy? <laughs> that is exactly that's what I was angling for, and he didn't. He was I, at this point, he was still super rich, uh -huh. and he was like, oh no, I have to, I have to have <laughs> three of them. Weird, and, and so my my grandfather got in an argument, and he's like, he's like, okay, he's just gonna take it with him to my house so he can play it, and then he'll he'll bring it back, uh -huh. and and he's like. Eh. I, I vaguely, this, I'm, I'm trying to recall, and my grandfather's like, and, and listen, like if he if he says no, I'm gonna punch him in the stomach. I'm like, all right, all right, <laughs> fat guy fight, let's go. <laughs> the the other thing that I remember, wait, that was, did you finish the story? Did you take it home with you? 
No, I didn't steal it. Oh. I, I took it back to my grandfather's and I was playing it like the whole weekend. Mm. And then and then I think, yeah, I left it there because I don't remember taking that with me. The other crazy part was I think it was the third floor of this townhouse belonged to their poppily pig named Petey. The entire third floor? Yeah, it was just the pigs. And you know, like poppily, there's like little mini mm-hmm. pigs because uh, like it, it just shit ever. everywhere. Oh, no. They didn't really clean up after it. Was he like Howard Hughes just shit everywhere, didn't clean it up, and just kind of... Exactly. Oh. Exactly. Gross. And it was his wife's pet. So I mentioned this guy's. I think he was married four or five times. Uh-huh. So you got to imagine the sort of woman that after like wife number two is like, yeah, you know what? Al Goldstein, that's that's who I want to go for. So Money money talks, man. So the pig had its own floor and it, it had... There was a walk-in closet. I still remember just like... My mind was fucking blown by all this. I'm like, there's a little pig that has its own floor. It's shitting everywhere. And it had a closet just filled, filled with clothes for the pig. <laughs> and to be fucking stupid rich is, God damn it. I, I think, I have to ma- assume maybe like they couldn't have kids or whatever. I don't know. And that wife, that was, this was her kid. And I remember looking at this pig's wardrobe being like, what the fuck? Petey the pig has more clothes than I do. <laughs> He's better dressed and has more clothes than me. What the fuck? So, so that was, I mean, that was my, my one time I, I met Al Goldstein. I guess this was still when maybe not, he wasn't like on top, but he hadn't, he hadn't started his decline. So let's pick up there. It's, it's a rather long article. So I'm just going to skip around a little bit. Um, his fall from financial grace after the collapse of his pornography empire was epic. By the mid-2000s, Goldstein was homeless. He once got a job as a restaurant greeter, only to lose it when the management discovered he was sleeping on the premises. Oops. Pretty cool. A regular feature in Screw, his magazine, uh, which never turned slick despite its success, were Goldstein's reviews of porn movies <laughs> and his ratings of massage parlors. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it wasn't... So I didn't know this. I've never actually seen Screw. He didn't just rate massage parlors. He also rated brothels. Nice. Which I'm like, Al, you're doing the Lord's work here. Yeah. You know, because... And it was for research purposes only. I'm assuming he went to Las Vegas <laughs> and he had to, like, you know, sample the merchandise. He had to write a... a you know, a good journalistic review. So like a Yelp for hookers? Ba- basically. <laughs> I mean, he was a trailblazer here. Yeah. And, you know, he probably saved many a, a poor Vegas tourist from getting gonorrhea. It's like, thank you, Al Goldstein. Fucking saint among men. Reportedly, the biggest selling issue, uh, it was in 1973 when Goldstein published nude pictures of former First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis surreptitiously taken as she was swimming at home in Greece. Whoa. Goldstein spun off other publications and in 1974 began hosting a notorious New York cable TV show called Midnight Blue that featured nude guests. Okay. Well, so so pause on that. Okay. Because I, I knew he had this cable program and I was like, wait, we have YouTube now. I wonder if we... <laughs> If there's clips of Midnight Blue on YouTube, mm-hmm. sure enough, there were. Uh, let's see if we can figure out how to play. Play the first one where he he he's ranting uh, uh, about pornography because it does give a pretty good sense of his personality. So you got one uh, that's clip one and then one that's clip two. So I'm going to play clip one. Let me share my screen. Hopefully, um, it, it, hopefully you YouTubers can see this, YouTubers and Twitchers. Uh, here we go. Good evening, this is Al Goldstein for Midnight Blue. Whether it's Geraldo or Donahue or Joan Rivers, I do a lot of television, a lot of TV, and I'm usually in the role as an apologist for porn films. Well, it's a, it's a bum rap, because most porn films stink. 
They should not be censored. We have rotten films on television and in movie theaters. They're allowed. They should not be censored. But I have a right as a critical person who evaluates. In fact, as you probably know, I review porn films for Penthouse every month. So I have to look at five of these pieces of shit every month. And what I hate about most porn films, occasionally, rarely, there's a good one, is they're bad. They're one-day wonders. They're shot by incompetent directors with low budgets who don't give a shit. If I see Ron J. Jeremy, one more time, I'm going to cut my dick off and become a faggot. <laughs> Most porn films stink. And I feel sorry for you people out there who have to buy porn films, because most of them are no good. I'll mention several good ones. <laughs> Sex World, Behind the Green Door. Uh, almost any film Jerry Damiano makes, Devil and Miss Jones, is a classic. But most of the porn films, 98% of the porn films in video stores throughout America are terrible, terrible. So whether you're seeing this uh, a commentary on our satellite program or the New York Midnight Blue, I want to tell you, I cannot defend porn films. Right. They stink. And if you want guidance, it goes month, on like this for a while. What I, have to say. <laughs> like, I guess I guess these sort of rants were a regular thing that he did. Yeah. I, 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 He's I not wrong, by the way. He's not wrong. Well, that's what everybody, I was reading the comments and people were like, yeah, I used to watch you know, Midnight Blue every every whatever week or whatever, and and the I'm assuming much older viewers now are like, yeah, he was always pretty dead on with his reviews. Yeah. We all make fun of how porn flicks don't have a really good plot, but then you're not watching the porn for the plot. You're watching it to see people get boned or yeah, banged. Yeah, not or, <laughs> He's like trying to like give. He's trying to be a fucking Siskel and Ebert on fucking porn movies. It's just not going to work. Dude. Al Goldstein's like, you know what? The, the dialogue on this porn film was terrible, but I love the cinematography. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'll tell you what. I will. I think I'm going to have to look up some of those movies he I, I, I started losing it. When, when he just like, he had his recommendations yeah. ready. It's like, this one is great. Anything but, like he hit a favorite director. Yeah. Guy was deep into it. He was, well, maybe not that deep. Yeah. Um, he was probably like four inches deep into it. Oh, no. But, uh, the, okay. The other clip, I, I, I was not going to to show this because it's Al Goldstein. This is years and years and years ago, decades ago. Al Goldstein ranting about Donald Trump, and I was like, "Oh, we don't really need to hear more people being angry about Donald Trump." Uh, but then I was listening, and I was like, "What the fuck?" My grandfather gets mentioned in this. <laughs> so, so just for just for context, my my mom's name is Sandy Stewart. Lyle Stewart was her adopted father, and Carol Stewart was his second wife. I'm trying to remember how old Carol is. She's like 10, 15 years older than my mom. Okay. Uh, so there was a, there was an age gap there. Uh, so that's all the context you need because Lyle Stewart and Carol will, will come up in this clip. So let's see if we can hear Al Goldstein's thoughts on a much younger uh, Donald Trump. Here we go. Good evening. This is Al Goldstein from Midnight Blue. When I was a college undergraduate, I read a book by a guy named Thorsten Veblen called Conspicuous Consumption. Thanks, Al. And that's the time I read books. Now I'm an English major who reads books. I'm lucky if I read Screw Magazine. <laughs> I don't read very much. I'm a typical publisher. But I do remember the thrust of Evelyn's book was we live in a society where more is better. And this keeps coming back to me in a recurring kind of a nightmare as I think of Donald Trump. Donald Trump wants more. He's like the addict. He wants more of everything. He wants New York City changed to Trump City. Accurate. <laughs> Trump is constantly pushing onward. I know if he was happy, there was some internal 
peace, if there was a quietude about him, he wouldn't have to keep trying to prove something. And, and let's look at this from a, a Freudian Alchemy point of view. Philosophical. He's always building towering phallic-shaped edifices. It's an edifice complex. This man obviously has a small dick, <laughs> or Howard Trump's dick. Uh, what's his name? Donald Trump. Howard Trump. Fuck you, Trump. You're so important, <laughs> man. I don't even know your first name. That's your brother. He's the he's the he's the one with brains in the family. Donald, your dick probably doesn't work. <laughs> or when it works, it's so small we don't even know it's hard. <laughs> Donald, enough already. I am sick of your fucking picture. I'm sick of your book. And what really has uh, 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 fused together to make me pissed off is I spent an afternoon at uh, Trump. Trump Castle, that's right. I saw all those ads. I thought it'd be great. Your room service stinks. I had locks and eggs for eight ninety five. It was second rate. My friend, who's a compulsive gambler, Lyle Stewart, didn't even have his box of chocolates. He needed them for his wife, Carol, because he was afraid Carol would not know he was really gambling. As if Lyle would be able to fuck another woman. He can't get his dick hard. <laughs> but there was Lyle carrying on that he's going to be on Donald Trump's boat. Now, I'm not invited on Donald's boat. I'm not invited to any of the smart parties, but that's because Donald Trump, Donald Trump, uh, the name even makes me want to throw up, it's like Goebbels, Donald Trump is trying to prove something. And, and, and this need to look at me, look at me, look at me. Donald, you're a little spoiled kid who shit does Oh, shit. We're sick He's of putting you. a dildo you over. bored us. Your blonde <laughs> wife is boring. White Bread Incorporated. She may not even have pubic hair. She's so uh, uh, virgin. Wow. Donald, please, would you dry up and go to some other city? Go to Baltimore. They can handle a Donald Trump. We're Donald Trump, I'm Florida? sick of you <laughs> and everything you stand for. Donald Trump, go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah go fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> That was awesome. Fucking Al Goldstein. Was, <laughs> you know what, dude? I think I'd like to hang out with this guy. I mean, I don't know if you, you met him so and you but you were younger. I don't know what you if you had thoughts of him when you met him. No, I just knew so the the two times I met him we were at that, that penthouse, uh-huh. uh townhouse rather. And then one time at my grandfather's apartment, which wasn't too far away. Okay, if if you could imagine this. My my grandfather had a publishing company. Al was the publisher of Screw Magazine, but then their their probably most successful friend was Bill Gaines, who was the publisher of Mad Magazine. Oh, and the three of them were all obese, like just fat. I think I think they were always old men. I think even when they were like ten years old, they were old men. And the three of them would have weight losing contests, uh-huh. which never <laughs> really successful. But I remember being at my apartment when they were doing their final weigh in. Not my apartment, my grandfather's apartment at the, for their final weigh-in of this uh, weight contest. And Bill Gaines and Al Goldstein, my grandfather, all down in their underwear, which um, I'm like... Let's think about this real quick, though. This preceded the now-famous Sober October, which Joe Rogan, Tom Segura, mm-hmm. Bert Kreischer, Ari Shafir do. Can you imagine if your grandfather, Goldstein, and Bill Gaines... Had the wherewithal to like, you know, make it a social media. There mm-hmm. wasn't social media back then, but but make it more of a public thing. How crazy it would be! Listening to Midnight Blue, uh-huh. I'm my first thought was like, holy shit! If Al Goldstein was able to podcast back then, uh-huh. that dude would have blown up. Oh yeah. Because he would have gotten all these weird New York guests on. It would have been a really well-listened-to podcast. I mean, I, my understanding is, like, he he was a huge asshole. He had a temper. He definitely had a dark side. But you, you hear him, and you're like, this dude was probably a fun time as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. Was your grandfather the one that um, 
We you once told a story about like uh, yes. sneaking money and <laughs> yes, okay, You're making sure. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's finish up with the article on uh, Mr. Goldstein here. Yeah, I mean, even if you just want to end it there, yeah, I think, well, I think we got the the gist of it. One more thing, I kind of read that I wanted to. Okay. Anyway, the one foe he was not prepared to battle was the internet, which from early on featured free pornography and sex ads. Uh, quote unquote. Unlike Larry Flint, he didn't have a business plan for that. DeStefano said, "Screw folded in 2003, and Goldstein's flagrant spending during the lucrative years on top of four divorces and legal troubles proved disastrous. He filed for bankruptcy, and the homes and other possessions were sold off. He never bounced back financially. So that's kind of it for Mr. Goldstein's. Uh, yeah, you know, not not a completely uh, dissimilar story from my grandfather either. Uh -huh. He he was." As Al mentioned in the video, a compulsive gambler uh -huh. lost a ton of money, and then he wrote, uh, not wrote, he published a book linking Steve Wynn, who was like like one of the huge successful uh, casino bosses. I know everyone knows what Wynn, uh, the casino, or yeah, you do because you're you're a degenerate, but I don't know eh. if everybody does. It's, uh, it's big now; it's huge now. He's got a couple, or or they've got huge casinos in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, and like Donald Trump, Steve Wynn, very successful with casinos, and in the book, it. it Alluded to that Steve Wynn might be connected to the mob, and then Wouldn't doubt it. Steve Wynn sued the shit out of my grandfather, managed to get the trial in Nevada, and uh, that was that was the end of that. My mm. grandfather did not <laughs> win that trial and uh, died bankrupt. Uh, that was it for Degenerate History with Mr. Goldstein. Last, we're going to wrap up this episode with the Binger Purge, and we're going to talk about Ted Lasso, Mr. Jaffe. Mm -hmm. Um you watched the first couple seasons before I even had a chance to. That is correct, sir. Um, I tried, tried, tried. Finally caught up to it and caught up to you in terms of the episodes that are currently mm -hmm. running season three. They're like somewhere in the third or fourth uh, episode of that season. What are your What are your thoughts about the show? Well, so first, just this show started based off of a commercial for, I think it was Premier League Soccer. Uh -huh. And... In the commercial, it's uh, what's his name, Jason Sudeikis, uh -huh. is is an American football coach who temporarily gets hired to to coach Premier League soccer. And the commercial was very different. He was like an extremely abrasive, like overconfident sort of cliche of a American guy, like yeah, a cowboy. Like, yeah, this is a sort of rude American sort of thing. Yeah, um, you know, southern accent the whole bit, and it was it was funny. And some of the jokes which were in that uh, series of ads made it onto the show. The one that was, I, I remembered from the ads was he's on the sidelines, yelling at refs. He's like, explain to me how that's offsides. Explain to me. No, really. I don't understand the offsides rule. <laughs> <laughs> but they changed the character a lot for yeah. the show. Instead of being this abrasive, uh, stereotypical American, they made him like overly nice. Yeah. Like so nice. You're like, is this dude hiding something? Yes. And it turns out, that he is, and what unfolds is the story of uh, super nice to the to the point of almost being like difficult to deal with sometimes. Yeah. Uh, coach who's who's running away from his feelings, his home life, everything. And where the fuck was he from? Was it Nebraska or Oklahoma or something like something that? Something like that, Midwest. Yeah. Uh, and and is he takes a a job coaching a, ba a bad Premier League team. That what we call in the states soccer, but they call football football, in yeah, yeah, football, goal, yeah. That um, one. and and the, the this uh, this team is owned 
by a, a you know basically like one of uh, Al Goldstein's ex-wives yeah uh, who, who who got the the team in a divorce with her husband yeah. who had been cheating on her and now her only goal in life is to try to inflict pain on her husband and ex ex-husband ex-husband yes and since this in her view this this club is the thing that he most loves in the world she wants to burn it to the ground yes so the plan is to hire the dumb American football coach somewhat, to destroy it. Somewhat similar to, if you remember, Major League, Major League, where yeah. you know owner inherits a team and they want to tank the team mm-hmm. just so they can like relocate it or or do something with the franchise that's going to piss off the ex in the in the uh, the nasty divorce. Jason Sudeikis, hilarious. That actress that plays the owner, whatever Waddington or Waddingham or whatever, Hanno. Sure. I don't know her first name. I forget. Hannah. Very attractive. I mean, uh, MILF, if there was ever a MILF. Apparently, she used to host, in real life, she used to host um, that uh, Eurovision singing contest. And you're, you know, are you familiar with the Eurovision thing? I'm not. So, Eurovision is like America's Got Talent before there ever was America's Got Talent. But it's strictly for people that are trying to make it into the um, music or musical in- industry. So every year this Eurovision thing would take people from different parts of Europe and it was basically like a like a contest to see who would be the winner of the Eurovision, you know, whatever. And she was a a longtime hostess. Uh the actress sings in real life, sings very well. She's also very attractive. Um Yeah, I mean she, she she's a theatrical actress, yes. like musicals and things like that. Um also in it uh Well but but this is the one thing that People who watched Ted Lasso got their minds blown by. Do you know her other, probably most notable acting credit besides Ted Lasso? No. She was in Game of Thrones. Was she? Uh-huh. What was she in? Shame. Shame. Really? Septu, Septa Unella. Wow, they made her fucking ugly in that thing then. Yeah, which which is a... a well, you know, she had the, the habit. That, yeah. was, that was the... Um, what was she, like a nun or whatever? Yeah, she who, was... Who basically tortures Cersei and makes Cersei walk through... Uh, streets naked. Yeah, that was Hannah Waddington. Wow, Waddingham. wow! You, they they really they had to do a fucking fantastic job in makeup and all this to make her look ugly because she she is an attractive older elder older lady. Would you say she she's in her fifties or sixties? Maybe I don't know, but she's very very high. anyway. So yeah, Ted Lasso. The kind of general premises. He's now he's in in Europe. He's coaching this this team. Mondo, she is forty eight and she's five foot ten. Really? Yeah. Damn, then she just she looks a lot older than. <laughs> well, I don't know. She she looks. Uh, I guess she looks uh, old for her age. I don't know. I don't want to make her. She's whatever. I'd still do it. But um, so so Ted Lasso's this very naive, doesn't know dick about Premier Football, uh, coaching this team. The city fucking hates them. The the players don't really get along with them. Uh, the the. You know, nice nickname they've given him is Wanker. Yeah. <laughs> like little kids like on the street are like, Wanker. And it, it takes him, you know, as, he, as he's learning the, the dialogue, he's like, well. And throughout the, the throughout the process, throughout the, the team's about to get, uh, what do you call it when they get demoted? Relegated. Re- so in the Premier League, the last place team gets relegated. In other words, they get downgraded to like a, a, a lower division, lower tier um, team. And so Ted Lasso comes onto this, basically this team that's fallen to shambles. And somehow with his, would you say his positive uh, energy, his, his, uh, you know, always upbeat attitude is able to kind of transform the general culture of the team. 
season one, season two is very good. They got a lot of good actors and actresses in it. And, uh, but it's, it's just, it's comedy. There is like Aaron hinted at, there's a lot of moments where you're like, there's gotta be some darkness to this dude. And it gets explored. You know, he goes to therapy and all this shit. And it turns out that he's the reason he left the U S for Europe is because he was going through some bad, uh, divorce with his wife He's struggling with his then you know his ex-wife now seeing another dude. He loves the his kid to death and and all these things that uh strangely enough parallel Jason Sudeikis' real life in that during the time he started doing Ted Lasso in real life he was going through a separation with his uh, ex-wife Olivia Wilde or something. I think it's her name is Olivia Wilde. And uh, so a lot of the, there's a lot of parallels between Ted Lasso and and uh, Jason Sudeikis in that like he leaves the states to go to Europe and just kind of gets himself involved in, in stuff to kind of detract his mind from all the the real life hardships. I don't know what to think. I, I, I Ted Lasso. Well, you know what? Before we go too much farther, can I just yeah. throw out some of the Ted Lasso quotes? This is just sure. from ScreenRant.com. They're, they're, this is what ScreenRant thinks are some of the funnier quotes. Okay. Just to give you a feel, because he, he, being Ted Lasso, is constantly throwing out like bad puns, and, uh-huh. but somehow they're they're funny. There's a lot of pop culture references, yeah. too. Uh, so let's see. This is Ted Lasso on scones. He's like, that right there? That's a scone, okay? It's like a muffin, except it sucks all the spit out of your mouth, which I'm like, you know, that's pretty accurate. Oh God! I wish they 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 had uh, they have context for this. I remember the scene. It was like it was it was one of the other characters said something very provocative, and Ted Lasso goes, "Is that a joke? Because if it is, I love it. And if not, I can't wait to unpack that with you later." <laughs> uh, you could fill two internets with what I don't know about football, which it not not <laughs> understanding football is is like a constant yeah. theme of the show. And even now, even in season three. You get the idea that he's just still like he's he knows like very little of uh, of football, but he still manages to turn this team into a some a somewhat successful. I wouldn't say like a top tier team, but better than, he's in the team's in better shape now than they was when he first inherited the team. Well, I, and I still remember this isn't in the thing of quotes, but I mean, this would be an example of that. Is his assistant coach, uh, who's his name Coach, coach Beard? Beard <laughs> I love that. Who's, who's got a beard? Just, just kind of like a, a uh, chaotic, neutral yeah. sort of presence. Uh-huh. Who, who instantly learns everything about soccer, aka football. He's, he's trying to explain advanced strategy to Ted as well as very simple terms. So there's one one part where he's like, he's like trying to trying to say that you know it's it's. Um, what is it? It's like it's like into touch is when you throw the ball onto uh-huh. the field, and then later Ted is doing a press conference with the rep- the reporters. He he was like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll take questions on this. I can't remember what it was, but he's like, unless that's and he looks at Beard, he's like, out of touch, <laughs> and and Beard's just like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> fucking. What what I like about the show is that Ted Lasso, the character, the personality. He's a very endearing character, even though in, even though he has his own internal strug- struggles, he does a very good job of maintaining like like the world. The people don't need to see this side of me. He protects his his kid from his you know his personal stuff. He protects his team from his. He's like he's very like he puts everybody else first. If that's weird, if that's strange, he, to his own detriment. Yeah. Too. Oh yeah. Often. Um. 
Because, because yeah, that's it's actually really tricky. I mean, that was something I struggled with as a coach, where it's you want to put everyone else first, but then if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't give the best version of yourself to everyone else. And yeah. you start to see that. I mean, yeah. it, it, not even comically, like there, you start to see in this very pun happy. Here's here's the last one, Ted Lasso. I shouldn't bring an umbrella to a brainstorm. <laughs> like, yeah, like kind of goofy, like happy. You start to see cracks. The guy starts getting panic attacks. Uh-huh. And, and the thing that I like about the show is I feel like every character is kind of like that, where they've got this this sort of trope, right? There's these like archetypal characters that you see and all, oh, here's the 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 self-absorbed star prima donna player. But then they start to dig in and you start to see oh, he had a troubled relationship with his father and uh-huh. he's really acting like this to try to, you know, please his dad and and not feel vulnerable. It's like every character has this sort of deeper backstory yeah. that explains why. So at, at first glance, they're all these, these very stereotypical sitcom characters uh-huh. and then they just start to peel back the layers yeah. and you're like, oh shit, which would to me makes this a much more satisfying and rewarding show. On top of the show being, you know, a comedy with, again, some serious notes hidden there. When I watch the show, I can't help but feel more positive. Like, it just has that effect on me. I don't know if it has a similar effect on you. I mean, I can watch the show and laugh, ha, ha, ha. And then I turn it off and I'm like, okay, I'm done. And then you just go face real life. But for whatever reason, when I watch Ted Lasso, (laughs) I'm like, oh, man, I feel good. I feel good. I I, want to be... Positive. I want to mirror the effects, the effect that Ted Lasso has on people, the people he interacts with. I'd like to have that touch with the people I interact, if that makes sense. Sadakis, you know, apparently this is just tangent. Apparently, his ex-wife in real life, Jason Sadakis' ex-wife uh, Olivia, Olivia Wilde, Wild. is claiming that he's not doesn't pay child support, which. You know, Ted Lasso's been popular, and I imagine he's making a bunch of money from that. If there's any rumor, if there's any truth to that, you know, unfortunately, shame on you, Ted, uh, Ted Lasso, uh, Jason Sudeikis. But part of me is kind of like, I don't know the whole story. It's kind of hard to paint him as a bad guy. I'm sure there's two sides to that coin. It, that whole situation seems really fucked up and pissy. Yeah. I mean, not unlike the Ted Lasso situation, I'm sure there are many layers to that. Yeah. The the one move where I was like, dude, Jason Jason Sudeikis, like, what the fuck was he had? Olivia Wilde was at at some sort of like event or something, uh-huh. and he had like her served with legal papers while she was on stage giving her talk. Ooh, and I, he tried to say, oh no, I didn't, I didn't know they were gonna, and I was like, dude, you fucking know what you did, Jason Sudeikis. Well, well okay, so I, I get, I'm not, yeah, I'm yeah. not citing. I don't think like, and that, and and just just to go back to the show. In a lot of these situations, it, it is it is a, a deep enough show where when they start to unpack it, you're like, oh, there isn't like a right or wrong. Like there aren't really villains exactly in the Ted Lasso show. Yeah. Like at first, Rebecca's a villain, but then you sort of understand yep. why she's doing it and she's been hurt. And Rebecca's the, the owner of the of the soccer franchise, FYI. Played, played by Hannah well, Waddington, yeah. who Mondo apparently thinks looks old. I don't know. For her, I thought she was older and looked good for her age, but knowing that she's 48. I'm kind of like, okay, I guess she looks age appropriate, but anyway, whatever. But like, there's a lot of characters who who make bad decisions uh-huh. 
and but they're not necessarily bad people. Yeah. So I I would say that was a bad decision by Jason Sudeikis. I don't. I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm not saying he's right or wrong. But that's that's kind of like again, just what I like about the show is it's not just like oh we're always super positive and we're finding the happy outcome. Yeah. It's like people making mistakes, but then often responding to it in a healthy way. Here's an example. The one thing that never happens in Ted Lasso, which is the dumbest trope in most sitcoms, is the, oh, there's this misunderstanding because we just won't talk about something. Do you know what I mean? Like, that happens in so many sitcoms where there's, like, a miscommunication. Okay. Or, you know, like, the one character where if you're just like, well, if you just went and talked to that person and explained where you're coming from, this whole fucking thing would be resolved in five seconds. Right. That usually is how it goes in Ted Lasso. They'll just, like, sit down and be like, all right, what's going on? And they'll kind of work through it. Yeah. I appreciate that. Like, a lot of times where I think they're going to fall into these these normal sitcom trappings, they'll just sort of just zig or zag in a different direction. Uh-huh. Normally, you ask questions, but I'll ask, like, do you have favorite characters or character in, in the show? I like a lot of them. Yeah. Um, pr- probably Roy Kent, though. Yeah, I like Roy Kent. So Roy Kent it, it plays, again, uh, plays the stereotypical, like, veteran of the soccer initially in the in the beginning first season he's this veteran soccer player grumpy like like the fans love him because he has this kind of very stoic very serious personality to him doesn't really get along with the team but he's like by natural default leader because he is the veteran he eventually becomes and he speaks like this boy <laughs> yeah i'm roy kent I speak like I've got gravel. He actually doesn't have that that particular accent, but yeah. He eventually becomes an assistant coach, spoiler alert, um, in like season two or three, I forget when. The thing that I like about Roy is he is this, this again, just archetypal, ooh, I'm a tough guy. Yeah. You know, I yell at everyone. I'm always angry. But you, you, you see in real time the character realize like, this isn't productive. Like, like there's one point where he's like so so mad at another character, and then he realizes like, but I have to talk to him. Yeah. I have to. So, and he's he's actually like very kind of like positive towards women. Yeah, where you'd almost expect him to be this sort of alpha male like womanizer. Yeah. But so he they they really play with that archetype in a way that's fun. My favorite with 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 Roy Kent is the interactions where they involve his his niece. Mm-hmm. Like it totally like. It shows both black and white and, like, why, you know, it's just so fucking funny. With The little, the little girl is this little cutie, but uh, those scenes are just the funniest. And like, then <laughs> my, my other favorite character is is probably uh, Nate Shelley. The the, uh, the the kit manager then becomes assistant. Then so, be, yeah. so in soccer, the kit manager is basically the, the equipment guy. Yeah. The, the guy that handles all the clothes, the laundry, the equipment, the cleats, all the stuff. In Ted Lasso, the world of Ted Lasso, this guy, uh, Nate, Coach Shelley, is a kit man. He's just an equipment manager. But Ted Lasso goes to him for advice on, like, strategies for the soccer team. Eventually gets promoted to an assistant manager. Fast forward, spoiler alert, he eventually goes and coaches in a, a rival team. There's this, like, conflict between Ted Lasso and Nate, his basically his pupil mm-hmm. to some degree. Yeah, he's a good good character. Again, the thing I like about him is he he's presented as this sort of like awkward, bumbling, yep. you know, he doesn't have a lot of confidence, whatever. And it, usually this guy would be 
like a good guy, right? Right. He's a little guy and we want to build him out. But like, especially even rewatching it, I'm like, oh, this guy was an asshole from day one. Like, yes, he, you know, he, he didn't have a lot of confidence, but he was always a fucking dickhead. And as soon as he got a little bit of power, yeah. it all went to his head. Like, I don't know if you remember this, but literally the very first scene when he's introduced, it's, it's Coach Beard and Ted Lasso walking it onto the pitch. That's the field uh-huh. for you, you non uh, soccer literate. And like Nate comes like running across the field, yelling at them to get off the field. Yeah. And just, just assuming I'm like, oh yeah, this guy was always a fucking dickhead. Okay. And like one of his big moments in the first, where, where uh, the first season where he's being empowered is like, he, he has these notes for Ted about the team. Uh-huh. And Ted's like, well, I can't say that, but I think you should. And it's him just like roasting the team. Every single individual player on the team, too. Which, which, which ends up being good, and yeah. it works, and it helps him. But in hindsight, when you see what he becomes, you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, he was just like talking mad shit about all of them. Like, this guy was always a dickhead, which yeah. I kind of like. And you see him sort of struggling with that. So I, I enjoy that aspect of the show. Um I think we're, we're almost out of time. Yeah, we are, we're kind of out of time here, but but yeah. So, last question: binge or purge? And should we review more Ted Lasso, or should we just call it anyway? We'll talk about that off air. But oh, th- th- this this one is 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 just a a purge and then purge again. Really? No, sorry. I wow. I, I was misspoke. like, what? I misspoke. <laughs> my my brain just disconnected yeah. for a second. Uh, th- sorry. This is a, this is a binge. Yeah, absolutely, absolute I, binge. I agree. Very good show. It's no surprise why it's having as much success as it is. Um, if you haven't watched it, give and the short episodes aren't they like only thirty or forty minutes long? They're, I feel like they're not. You, you could watch for, a whole season in one setting. Yeah, and I feel like they're not hour longs. They're like either thirty or forty five minutes an episode, and they kind of they go they go by pretty fast. Like you're watching, you're having a good time. You're like, oh fuck, the episode's over, really? Well, it it does have that sitcom pacing where it's like it is very fast. Uh, so yeah, binge for me as well. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? No, let's 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 just uh, wrap it up, much the same way that Al Goldstein didn't wrap it up with his five wives. Wrap it up. Hopefully, like Armando will have to. Hint, 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 hint. <laughs> Fucking white chicks. That's Fucking all I have white to chicks. Say. <laughs> uh, we hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Thank you guys for listening to it. If you're just listening to the audio, wait, Thanks Mondo, for, Mondo, what? Fucking white chicks or. Fucking white chicks. (laughs) We'll find out. Um, Thank you guys for watching. And if you're watching on the YouTube or stream, we'll talk to you guys in the week. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Mondo here. I just want to take the time to say on behalf of myself and Aaron that we appreciate everyone who's taken the time to listen to our podcast. We know there's hundreds of thousands of podcasts to choose from, but you took some time out of your day to listen to us ramble on. Please share our podcast, like and subscribe, follow us on all our social media platforms and all that jazz. Whether you love us, hate us, agree with our opinions or disagree, we still love you.